I want to be honest about my difficulties. And yeah, today, Friday, 14th of October, 2022, at 12.10 p.m., I'm going to be pretty frank about my difficulties. So yesterday, I finished Blaise Pascal in my History of Philosophers series, and that's like 16 or 17 major philosophers over 2,000 years that I have uh, dealt with. And I felt irritation, anger, boredom, and zero, zero desire to continue with the project. Now, that's not particularly like me. I'm fairly good at follow-through and getting things done, but by God, I really, really did not want to continue with this one. And I couldn't I couldn't figure out why, 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 why don't I, why, I was enjoying it, really enjoying it, looking forward to it, loved the recordings, the enthusiasm, the passion, the clarity, the journey, it was great. And then, and then, it really wasn't. And I was trying to sort of figure out, what the hell, (laughs) this is kind of an unusual thing for me, I don't usually get enraged at projects that I voluntarily take on that I think are providing great, that know are providing great value, that are enjoyable, useful, powerful, getting great feedback. Thank you, everyone. And I felt it just as I finished the show yesterday, finished recording the show yesterday. And I just was like, I'm done with all of this crap. And I couldn't. And next up is John Locke. John Locke is a philosopher I like a lot. (laughs) He's got a lot of great things to say. My ancestor was great friends with him. He was persecuted. An empiricist, small government guy. I was just like, I don't want to. Why, why, why don't I want to? Why wouldn't I want to continue in this project? It was a culmination of a lot of my life's work. Why don't I want to do it anymore? (sighs) So, I think I might know why. (laughs) You can sort of let me know what you think. And I'll sort of explain it. Now, this is me working it out as I'm going along because I don't have all the final answers, but this is sort of where I'm starting. Okay. Philosophers have one job, and that is using reason and evidence to prove morality. It's one job. That's the job. That's it. That's the thing. That's the whole point. It's the one differentiator. Between philosophy and all other mental disciplines, there's tons of other mental disciplines that use reason and evidence. Physics, reason and evidence. Biology, reason and evidence. Medicine, reason and evidence. Engineering, reason and evidence. Empiricism. The art of non-contradictory identification of information and verification through the evidence of the senses, reason and evidence. Nutrition, exercise, you name it, it's reason and evidence. Building sewage plants, (laughs) nuclear reactors, reason and evidence. Now what those disciplines don't have is morality. Science is amoral. Build a bomb, build an MRI. Science doesn't care in any foundational way. Science, not moral. You can use the medical sciences to cure or to kill. Figure out how to 
create antibiotics or figure out how to poison someone so that no test can find it. Amoral. So these philosophers, this accumulated weight of dead inertia, error, obfuscation, and betrayal of humanity, this is how passionately I feel about this betrayal. Let me make the case. This is the interlude. This is the intermission. Let's go to the lobby and get ourselves a drink. This is the intermission. This is the frustration and horror that I feel uh, midway through this project. And it only gets worse from here in terms of morality. Now, if reason and evidence, to use reason and evidence to construct and validate morality is the purpose of philosophy. Now, you could say, ah, yes, but God gives us morality. Okay, fine. Let's accept that God gives us morality. Then you are a theologian. Theologian. You are a priest. You're a bishop. You're a pope. You're a cardinal. You're not a philosopher. You're a theologian. Fine. But philosophers have differentiated themselves from theologians by saying, no, 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 we're the reason and evidence guys, for the most part. And even the Platonists and the supersensual smoke-this-other-reality dudes say, well, it's just higher reason and evidence. The evidence is in the forms, and reason is explicated by the forms. I can't communicate it to you. You can't through see them through the evidence of the senses, but it's just a higher form or an alternate form of reason and evidence. There's still reason and evidence, guys. 100%. That's the whole gig. Now, you could say earlier on, natural philosophy was to do with science and so on. But certainly, since Bacon, philosophers have been hived off from scientists. Philosophers and scientists are two different groups. Both use reason and evidence. And there's a philosophy behind the scientific method, but philosophy as a singular discipline is differentiated from all other reason and evidence disciplines by what? By morality, by virtue, ethics, universally preferable behavior. That's the gig, that's the deal. And it has been since the beginning of time. Now, you, philosophy was more fragmented, right? There was a big philosophy circle and inside with some overlaps with natural sciences, medicine, and so on. But these disciplines have all spiraled off to their own disciplines for centuries and centuries and centuries ago. And philosophers always talked about morals, virtue, truth, honor, justice, courage, ethics. <sighs> Useful philosophers, helpful philosophers like Aristotle. Ah, you see, Eudomania, the, the good life is the pursuit of moral excellence. Okay, what is that exactly? Courage, virtue, truth, goodness, honor, decency. Ah. Which is like going to a doctor and saying, oh, doc, I'm kind of sick, I want to be healthy. And he says, well, medicine is the pursuit of excellence in health. <laughs> okay. Is that a to-do list or just some general windbaggery? 
go to a nutritionist. Oh, you know, it hurts when I digest and I've got a lot of gas and I'm overweight and what should I eat? I don't know what to eat. What should I eat? Because what I want to eat ain't good for me. So what should I eat? And the nutritionist clasps his hands below his chin, looks at you and murmurs, ah, yes, well, you see, the nutritional science is pursuit of excellence in eating. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. You want to break that out for me a little there, Einstein? Tell me what to do. But they won't. Not one philosopher of all that I have studied, not one philosopher has used reason and evidence to explicate philosophy. Not one philosopher, I've done 17 or 18 so far, not one philosopher has used reason and evidence to build up a system of ethics from first principles. Not one. And that's the entire job. Let's say you have a discipline called bridge building that's lasted for thousands and thousands of years. So our job is to build bridges that last, are efficient, carry just the right proportion of weight, and are cheap. The entire purpose of this multi-millennia discipline is to build bridges. That's the whole gig, the whole job. We are bridge builders. We build bridges. Need bridge? Call us. Build bridge for you. Will do. Bridge, 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 bridge. Take me to the bridge. Now, they talk a lot about building bridges. Talk a lot about the value of bridges. The purpose of bridges, the productivity of bridges. How nice bridges are, how beautiful they can glisten and appear in the sunset. How lovely they look when egrets perch upon their struts. How essential they are for commerce, trade, war conveyance. There are ideal bridges, perfect bridges that exist only in the abstract imagination. Those are the real bridges. We're all about the bridges. Bridge, bridge, bridge. Now, am I crazy? Does it take me to come along and say, wow, you guys have talked a lot about bridges. Thousands of years, millions of pages, bridge builders, bridge builders, bridge builders, we're all about the bridges. Hey, can I see an actual bridge? Got thousands of years, talked about the value and virtue and wonder and beauty and necessity and your expertise in bridge building. Can you show me a freaking bridge at all? Because that's all you guys have been talking about for thousands of years. Can a brother get a bridge from the bridge builders? <laughs> Reason, evidence, morality. Reason, evidence, morality. You can even take out the evidence if you want and just have reason, morality. It's nothing. There's nothing. There's no syllogistical, unshakable proof that stealing is wrong. And this is the one gig, the one job. Because if you want your morals to come from God, you go to a theologian. 
This is like Benedict Cumberbatch with <laughs> penguins. <laughs> theologian, theologian. You go to a priest. The priest tells you, God has so commanded it, therefore it is. Okay. Got your morals. It's not philosophical, but you got your morals. Go to a philosopher. Say, your gig is morals, right? Because you're not a scientist. You're not a doctor. You're not an engineer. You're not a mathematician. You're a philosopher. And what's the one thing that differentiates? Morality, okay. You're a reason and evidence guy, or even if it's just reason guy, give me reason and morality. And again, there have been some vague arguments here and there, but mostly philosophers have shucked it off to God and said, well, we can't prove morality, but we can prove God, and if we prove God, you get your morality. No, 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 that's cheating, man. That's hot potatoing it to the priests. No. Then be a priest. Be a priest. No, we're philosophers. We're bridge builders. Can I see a bridge? No. No. But all you guys have talked about for thousands of years is how essential and wonderful and perfect the bridges are and how fantastic you are at building them. Can I see a bridge that you've built that stayed up? No. This we cannot do. We cannot provide you a bridge that has stayed up that we built. We're really just about bridge words, not bridge things. We're really about adjectives, not nouns. We're about the language, not about the building. We're about the mind, not the hands. We do not translate the thoughts to reality. Now, this frustration has boiled over in me today, and this frustration is a long time coming. It's a long time coming. So get comfortable. We ain't close to being done. <laughs> there is more uncorked, multi-decade frustration and passion to unleash on this poor, innocent, spittle-covered microphone. So why haven't they done it? Why did it, philosophy have to wait for UPB for simple rational proof, proof that rape, theft, assault, and murder are evil? Why? Why? Now, let's be as kind as we can possibly be to these poor philosophers and say, ah, yes, well, you see. But if they had proven that theft is wrong, then that would have put them up against the state and the collection of taxation. Okay. Let's say that UPB puts them up against the secular power of the state. So, philosophers made sacrifices. There'd be no Christianity if Christians hadn't made sacrifices. I was talking about the third century Saint Blaise, who was tortured with metal combs scraping the flesh off his body, did not renounce his faith. Socrates went to his death saying, sacrifice a cock to the god of good fortune because I am blessedly being put out of my misery of life. He happily and gladly went to his death. Our philosophers so afraid of the state that they can't create syllogistical proofs for morality? Then they should be honest about that. 
and say, well, <laughs> I'm going to talk a lot about morality, but I'm going to do it in such vague and generic terms that it's only going to inspire the already moral to kind of do more of what they're already doing, and it won't move the immoral or amoral at all, and it won't do one thing to dislodge immoral theories, which is the true scourge of mankind. Fine, then you be honest about it. When I stopped doing politics, I said, I'm not doing politics. Done. Woo. Just be honest. Say, no, 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 no. We'll talk about bridges, but we're not going to actually build any bridges. Are you crazy? Fine, then be honest, because, you know, honesty is a virtue. And if you're not going to tackle a particular subject because you're scared of the blowback, fine, then just be honest about it. Tell the truth. That's what you're telling everyone else to do. Honesty is a virtue, so tell the truth. Nope. Pomposity, vanity. We are the wise. We are the moral. We sit cross-legged on the hover updraft of our own intellectual farts. Not touching the mere earth, but floating among the platonic forms of ideals. <laughs> Talking about excellence and moral courage and virtue and this, that, and the other. Okay, so if you're about virtue, you're about reason. Can you reason out virtue? Nope. No, not going to do that. It's contemptible. You say, ah, well, but they were threatened. You know, philosophers regularly have been threatened by the powers that be. Okay, I get that. I understand that. I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. I, I get it. Trust me. So, pull a Eugene O'Neill. Eugene O'Neill, famous playwright. Long day's journey into night. Was a play he wrote about his drug-addicted mother and vainglorious theatrical father, degenerate brother, and he pained himself enormously, ripped that play out of him like root canal therapy for his broken soul. Fine. Do you know what he said? He said, I finished this play. You cannot, nobody can perform this play until at least 10 years after I'm dead. Okay. Do that. If you're scared, write it posthumously. Have it released posthumously. Make arrangements to have it anonymously published and circulated. That can be done. That's been done many times. There's many pamphlets of instruction, philosophical instruction throughout history, the authors of which were never discovered. That could be done. If you don't want to risk your life, publish it after your death. Now, maybe, just maybe, UPB was discovered a hundred times throughout history. But the people were suppressed, exiled, killed, tortured, all their books burned, all their writings burned. I don't know, maybe. Maybe half the library of Alexandria was UPB. A rational system of ethics. And of course, I have said that the philosophers that are picked are picked for their willingness to support those in power. Blaise Pascal, of course, was one of those, because his entire family fortune, the prestige and wealth and power of his family was entirely dependent upon the power of the state. But, 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 but. I got more buts here than a Brazilian booty contest. But here's the thing. Many elements within the Christian churches would have applauded 
UPB. Now, I'm not saying it would be exactly the same as UPB, but the proofs would be the same. I mean, the communication of it, the focus of it, the analogies, the metaphors, whatever would be used to, but E equals MC squared is E equals MC squared. You don't rewrite that. And the proofs of UPB for the fact that rape, theft, assault, and murder can never be universally preferable behavior, those would be the same. It is something that has blown my mind sideways like a Tom Cruise Mach 10 jet farting sound barrier breaking expulsion from both ears. The Christians have embraced UPB to a large degree and the atheists have ignored, rejected and attacked it. Blows my mind blows my mind or blew my mind I'm sort of getting it now one of the things that we know from the history of philosophy is that God as the author of the universe was not insulted when human beings studied the properties of matter and energy to figure them out that if you study a computer program to understand how it works, you're also studying the mind of the computer programmer. You study the clock, you're studying the clockmaker. So studying the universe was also studying the mind of God. Now, I get that there were tensions within the church that if you study too much and you remove God from the equation, he threatened to become a deistic first course rather than an interventionist miracle worker, which is part of what the church was offering. So I get all of that. But there would have been significant support within the church for a rational examination of God's laws. Science was an exploration of the mind of God. Now the most important of God's laws are moral laws. Therefore, how can a rational examination of morality be a repudiation of the divine. If the most important laws that God makes are moral laws, studying, understanding, analyzing, and explicating God's moral laws is a worship of God. In the same way that studying the mechanics of God's creation is praise to and an understanding, a further understanding of God. So, philosophers could have found safe refuge in the bosom of the church, not all of it, but much of it, through a rational examination of the three biggies, right? The three biggies. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not bear false witness. No theft, no murder, no lying. If these are God's laws and philosophy can prove the reasoning behind God's laws, that is not a rejection or a repudiation of God. That is saying God gave us rules, God gave us laws, God gave us universality, God gave us predictable principles and behaviors of matter, energy, and morality. God gave us reason and a rational universe. Therefore, to use reason to explicate the rational universe 
is not deviated from God's plan, but fulfilling it, but confirming it. God thunders from the sky. Here's the rule. Here's your brain. I'm giving you free will. There's no point me telling you. Figure it out. Here are the rules. Here's your brain. Figure it out. That since I am the rule maker, understanding the rules and following the rules as a free soul, not as a slave, not as a puppet, not as a commanded thing, not as a robot, not as a program, but as a free thinking soul. To understand the rules and follow them through reason. That is what I want for you. There is no virtue without choice. There is no virtue without understanding. So then we can say, ah, yes, but you see, human beings are so constituted that defiance of authority is weeded out of the gene pool that all those who defied authority were no longer allowed to believe, they were ostracized or killed, or people wouldn't, women wouldn't date them or mate them, so all the defiance genes got uh, kicked out of the gene pool, and we're all, okay, that's fine. Let's say that's your case. You can't blame people for not possessing the genes for defiance. If you even imagine that such, a things, such things could exist as the genes for compliance, say, oh, well, but that's fine, then we'll just spread out. Okay, fine, then stop posturing. Stop posturing. Then say, we are bred and born for compliance, so we're never really going to develop universal morality because it might threaten existing authoritarian structures. So we just, just, just talk. It's all sophistry. It's all a bunch of nonsense. Of course, that would be to blow the whole gig. So people aren't going to do that. But even if it were true that every instinct we have cries out, for subservience to authority, then philosophers, of course, have to explain how every other discipline manages to overcome that. Every other rational discipline manages to overcome our instincts. In fact, why do you need reason? Because a lot of times, your instincts suck and blow chunks simultaneously. Your instincts are terrible. Why do you need the science of nutrition? Because the stuff that tastes good generally isn't very good for us. Why do you need the science of exercise? Because we want to conserve energy and not exercise. And if we do exercise, we'll exercise for vanity rather than for health, for muscles rather than for cardiac efficiency. Why do we need physics? Because the world is not how it looks. The world is not flat. The sun doesn't go around the earth. The world is not how it seems. Our instincts are to view the universe from our own local and limited perspective and think that's what the universe is. But it's not. It's not. So our instincts about how the universe looks, what we should eat, how we should exercise, our instincts are wrong. They're fine for survival, 
when we evolved with the apes, fine for survival. But the whole purpose of reason and evidence is to overcome the instincts developed for survival and point them instead towards the truth. Truth is subservient to survival from an evolutionary standpoint. Hey, if truth serves survival, fantastic. Embrace it. If truth threatens survival, dump the truth. It is the first passenger to be thrown overboard in case of storm. So if nutrition and medicine and exercise and physics, biology, geology, if all of these disciplines can overcome the instincts and in fact only exist in opposition to the instincts, monogamy, particularly for men, is instituted in opposition to the spray-and-pray, seed-bearing nature of masculinity. Lying is profitable, therefore we have the virtue called honesty, blah, 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 right? So the whole point of reason and evidence is to go to war against the instincts. Not to oppose them, but to discipline them. So, if philosophy says, well, but, you know, we're conditioned for uh, survival and we don't want to oppose authority, well, of course, Christianity only exists because people gave up their survival in order to oppose authority or rather to submit to the authority of Jesus and God. So, philosophers can't claim that our instincts for subservience mean that you can't have universal morality because the only reason the discipline exists is to oppose the instincts. If our instincts were perfect, we wouldn't need philosophy. Well, we wouldn't have thought. Thought has erupted out of a battle against the instincts. Understand, thought is a reaction formation against the catastrophe called the instincts. And I don't mean catastrophe for survival. I mean, catastrophe for virtue, catastrophe for flourishing. Look at how humanity has flourished since we rejected the instincts using reason. This is stoicism. This is the subjugation of instincts to reason. Now, this doesn't mean anti-emotion. This doesn't mean anti-passion. This doesn't mean anti-instinct. That's all fine. But it's about shaping and disciplining the instincts. A dog can catch a ball. You train the instincts well enough, you can be an outfielder in professional baseball. Children like to hit things. You train that instinct well enough by opposing its immediate satisfaction, and you can become a tennis player, you can become a cricket player, you can become a baseball player. And the instincts want satisfaction in the moment, and reason is there to defer the satisfaction of the instincts in the moment to gain excellence in the future. Why do we have thought to oppose the short-term satisfaction window of the instincts? Happily married, you're attracted to some woman, you say no, even in your own mind. 
Though your instincts are saying, hey, there could be more kids, new kids, more of us, more genes. Yay, 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 reproduce, reproduce, bang, bang, bang. Smash, smash, smash. You say, no, sorry, instincts. <laughs> We're not going to play. And this is not to suppress them, not to kill them, not to murder them, recognize they're an essential part of humanity. But that's why we think. We think to oppose the instincts. That's why we have thought, so that we can stretch out the window of gratification to something eternal, perhaps. And the longer it stretches, the greater the intelligence. All the dummies who steal from stores. Oh, look, I got a bag of chips and a pop. I got a TV. Well, it just means that stores won't be there in the future. TVs won't be there in the future. You got a TV, and that's it. No more TVs, right? And the greatest intelligence stretches the de delay of gratification to as close to eternity as you can get and still be mortal. So philosophers say, well, you know, we all have an instinct to survive, and that's why we didn't do universal morality, because it was too dangerous. It's like, okay, then have your instinct to survive, but then don't call yourself a philosopher. Because if you're not opposed to the instincts, you're not thinking. You're letting your gut, your balls, do your decision-making for you, which is not decision-making. You are now biped lizard extraordinaire. But philosophers constantly claim we can overcome the instincts. We overcome the instincts. Right? No philosopher of any repute has said merely, abandon all thought, follow your instincts. Don't ever read me again. Don't think, don't reason. Don't debate, don't argue. Just do whatever you want. That's just hedonism. It's not really a philosophy because hedonism is followed by every other animal, every other creature that is alive not a philosophy if tadpoles do it. Even educated fleas do it. So this is what's driving me crazy. Just crazy. <sighs> now, physics opposes our instincts. Nutrition opposes our instincts. Exercise opposes our instincts. Studying opposes our instincts. Medicine opposes our instincts. Here, take this needle. <laughs> It'll hurt, but you'll be better in the long run. Economics opposes our instincts. Saving has value. Deferral of gratification has value. Special privileges, while good for the individual or the small group, are bad for the general and the larger group. Although you may get largesse from the government now, you pay for it later with inflation. There is no such thing as a free lunch. You can't get anything without costing someone something. So economics, all of these disciplines are for the denial of gratification. Now, when it comes to morality, when it comes to morality, Philosophers have it easier than any other mental discipline that's based on reason and evidence. 
though some interpretations of the Bible say that the world is young, 6,000 years plus, geology, science, puts it in the billions of years. Though your perspective is that the moon spins around the earth, the earth spins around the sun, only one of those is true. The fact that you go super fast and time slows down, yeah, that's not super intuitive, is it? The fact that everything falls, that we fall towards the earth, the earth falls towards us, the earth falls around the sun, the sun falls around the galaxy, not super intuitive. That we are rocketing through a void is not evident when you are strolling through the woods on a still day. That you are at the bottom of a ball is not super evident when you're in Australia. All counterintuitive. So science has a great challenge getting people to reject immediate sense perception for the sake of abstract truth. But morality is not in that category at all. Three things children are told from the very beginning. Don't hit. Don't grab. Don't lie. Don't hit. Don't grab. Don't lie. Honesty, respect for property, non-aggression. This is how children are raised. Physics has to oppose what we take for granted. UPB completely accepts what we're taught as children, and we're taught it as an absolute. We're not taught you can hit on Tuesday but not a Thursday. We're not taught you can steal when it's sunny but not when it's cloudy or in a particular location. We are told, don't hit, don't grab, don't lie, are universal absolutes. So philosophy wouldn't be teaching anyone anything that they weren't taught as children. They were taught these moral principles as universals. Philosophy says these moral principles are universals. Now it can be a little tricky to come up with the syllogistical proof. I get that. It took me a while. But philosophy is not going against the moral instincts of mankind. It is fully accepting the absolute universals we were taught as children. So for the first 20 years of our life, we are taught these morals as absolutes and universals. So this is not saying to people, hey man, it looks like the sun goes around the earth, but in fact, the earth goes around the sun. Man, blows your mind. The earth looks flat, but it's round, man. It's crazy. The sun and the moon are totally different sizes. The sun is thousands of times bigger than the moon. The moon makes the tides go, man. <sighs> okay, that stuff blows your mind. I get that, because that's kind of opposite from what we experience. But how is UPB at all the opposite of what we actually are told? We are told these morals are absolute and universal. So the philosopher says, okay, these morals are absolute and universal. Let's figure them out. And even if you are or especially if you are Christian, 
where the morals are taught to you is absolute and universal, then unpacking the reasons behind why they're absolute and universal doesn't eliminate God, it reveals God in the same way that studying physics does not eliminate God but reveals God's handiwork. The philosophers have no excuse. Philosophers were told morality is absolute and universal. That's what they were taught as children for 20 years. It's not going against their sense data. It's not going against their experience. It's not going against what they were taught. It's listening to your elders and saying, oh, morality is universal and absolute. Boy, there's got to be a great reason for that. Let me figure out what it is. Boom, UPP. Philosophers have the easiest job of any mental discipline because all they're doing is harnessing everything that was said and enforced to and against children for decades and proving it. You know, if you have a penis, and then biology can tell you why you have a penis, that's not going against your instincts. That's just explaining something that you look down and see. If you have eyes that work, and then a biologist can tell you why your eyes work, he's not going against your lived experience that your eyes work. He's simply explaining to you what you already know to be true. It's the same thing with morality. UPB simply explains to people what they always have been taught to be true. That they've always known and accepted to be true. At least as children. Now I get this pushback and this blow. I understand all of that. In which case, shut the discipline down. Right? Shut the discipline down. Because if what differentiates philosophy is morality, but philosophers refuse to pursue morality because of cowardice, don't talk to me about courage as a virtue, don't talk to me about reason as a virtue, don't talk to me about sacrifices, don't talk to me about going against instincts, don't talk to me about having a higher calling or a noble purpose, don't talk to me about any of that stuff. Fine. Collapse your mind and survive. Like a mammal. Collapse your mind. Disembowel your reason in order to survive. I can live with that. You can live with that. Maybe that's the only way you can live. I get that. I'm not some big criticizing guy for that, but just be honest about it. I claim to be a philosopher, but it's impossible to do philosophy. It's impossible to be a philosopher. That's... I think rational political analysis is not, not, not the time right now, I think, for rational productive political analysis. So I'm not doing it. I was honest about that. I'm not doing it. Here's why. And I'm not doing it. But I'm not saying I'm a political analyst while political analysis I also consider impossible. <laughs> so that's what's driving me nuts about these guys. They were all taught property rights, non-aggression, all taught that as children. You grab your brother's toys, don't grab toys. Let him have it. Let him use it. It's his toy. Property rights. Don't hit your sister. It's bad. It's wrong. Non-aggression. Who broke this lamp? Tell me the truth. Don't lie. Do not lie to me. 
Honesty is a virtue. So people would rather try and figure out the cause of a rainbow than a rational explanation of the morals they accept and proclaim. (laughs) Well, what's really important is the mathematical spiral of conic geometrical shapes. Really? Can a brother get a proof of property rights? No! Can we universalize the morals we were always told were universal? No! Can we make absolute the morals we were always told were absolute? No! And a hell no! Can't do it, won't do it, pretend to do it, won't talk about it. Boom. Sophistry 101. It's like a Ponzi scheme. What is the good? What is virtue? Why be virtuous? That's the gig. That's the job. It's just about the first thing I worked on as a public philosopher, proving libertarian morality. LouRockwell.com, 2005. It was my breakout session, proving libertarian morality. Followed relatively quickly by the more formal proofs of UPB, followed relatively quickly by the presentations, the speeches, the proofs, the debates, the arguments, the book. Because that's the gig, man. I hated the con men in the software industry. Hated them. Because they corrupted the field for everyone and lowered the standard for everyone. Or tried to. Don't promise what you can't deliver. Don't claim you have features you don't have. Don't claim you have integration capacities you don't have, or at least aren't automatic. Don't lie. Don't steal. It's kind of theft, I think. Why would I satisfy? Why would I be satisfied or settle for that? In the most essential field of human thought, morality, which is philosophy. See, people say moral philosophy. That's all there is. It's the philosophy of science. Well, it's just the scientific method. It's just reason and evidence applied to science. But reason and evidence applied to morality, that's philosophy. That's philosophy. I've done a dozen and a half of these dudes. How tough was it? How tough? How tough was it for them to say, hey, let me prove that stealing is wrong. Let me prove it. Nah, we'll prove God. Let let the priests handle that. Why? Many priests would have welcomed UPB, as many Christians have welcomed UPB. God gives you rational rules and gives you the reason to understand them, to understand them. (laughs) You study a painting because you love the painter. If you study to imitate a painter, it's because you respect that painter. You want to emulate that painter. You love that painter. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And analysis, in general, is the sincerest form of praise. Even if you're analyzing to critique, you're saying it's important enough to analyze. 
Go all of these brilliant minds, brilliant minds, polymaths, geniuses, renaissance men, jack of all trades, masters of all. Hey, I wonder why murder is wrong. I wonder why murder is wrong. Now, they couldn't say, well, that's just a matter of faith. Because these guys were scientists. And because they were scientists, they didn't say, oh, well, it's just a matter of faith. No, they wanted to understand the world. Dig in to what made matter and energy tick and dance. They wanted to know. Did Mercury change based upon elevation? Could barometric pressure be measured? They didn't just sit there and say, well, you pray wherever you are, and it's a matter of faith how high up you are. No, they wanted to understand it. They wanted to know it in detail. They think of all these efforts and crazy geometrical analyses and optics and rainbows, and the motion of the planets. Can you tell me why murder is wrong? No. That's a matter of faith. Really? So science is a matter of reason, but morality is a matter of faith. Well, we don't want to step on the toes of the priests. It's like, no, 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 you're already doing that by saying that there's a solar system that doesn't require God's intervention. No, you've already done that. You're pushing back the age of miracles, making the absolutism of matter and the principles of matter and energy absolute and universal, eliminates miracles. No, 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 you're already all over the toes of the priests. Can't say that's a thing. Why, why, why not? Why not prove morality? That's the gig. That's the whole job. Now, the answer, of course, is a combination of secular power and parental brutality. A parent who hits you while saying hitting is wrong is a moral hypocrite who's using morality to make you, quote, good through their own evil actions. And to look at a parent and say, your, quote, morality is the manipulations of a devilish hypocrisy, that's tough. And again, I can appreciate this all the more. I was talking to my daughter this morning and said, have I ever, I can't remember, have I ever used intimidation to get you to do what I want? And she said, I can't think of a time. And I said, I may have been ill-tempered once or twice or, you know, snapped or whatever, but then I apologize and all that. But I'm not, the purpose is not to come in and make you do things through intimidation. Obviously no violence. But even, you know, as parents, you need an unbelievably light touch. As parents, your lips are right up against your child's ear, so to speak. And so you've got to speak very softly because you have such dominance and authority simply by being older, bigger, wiser, stronger. Not to mention all the legal and economic independence relative to children. You have so much authority that you need to be super light in your touch. Super light. So, I think the answer is that the philosophers could not process their childhood trauma. I mean, this is why I think this is why this came out after talking about the brutality of Blaise Pascal's father, Etienne, that he would threaten an innocent woman with murder and beat her half to death 
because he thought she was a witch who had cursed his son. If this is who he grew up with, how on earth was he supposed to get universal morality with that amount of trauma in his past? Now I say, ah, yes, well, I had trauma in my past. Yes, I did. I worked very hard to deal with it and got a lot of help from thinkers, writers, therapists. And I think I just had this unbelievable anger, impatience, frustration, and a blind, blank, unstoppable will to just get this freaking answer. It's been too long. I, I can't I can't be a philosopher if the entire discipline is based on a fraud, that it's all about morality, but philosophers would rather look at absolutely anything and everything other than morality. Reason and evidence is the key. Can you apply that to the core reason for the entire discipline? No. Can you talk about that? No. But uh, maybe we can talk about, uh, I don't know, animal rights or... Um, Intellectual property or, or I don't know whether nouns actually exist or the relationship. Can you talk about morals? Reason and evidence. Can you bring that to morals? No. That exposes parental hypocrisy and wrongdoing. And whether that's my peculiar will, the internet, modern circumstances, who knows? It's a combination, I'm sure, of all of these things. But they should have done it, man. They should have done it. I mean, how long do you have a discipline entirely and solely focused on the building of bridges? How long do you have that discipline before you look around and notice there aren't any freaking bridges? Not a single bridge has been built. That's something you got to notice, right? you got to see that. Now, again... I'm not saying then you've got to go build a bridge, but at least stop pretending. Stop pretending that you're in this big bridge-building club. Just walk away. I walk away from the areas where I don't believe that rational analysis does much good anymore. Just walk away. Say why, move on. Don't do it anymore. Just have that integrity, especially since you're lecturing everybody else on integrity, honesty, virtue. The whole point of philosophy is morality. And not one philosopher in the multi-thousand-year history of philosophy has produced a rational proof of ethics that explains the evidence of history. If science is reason and evidence applied to matter, then superstitious societies will be less productive less sophisticated, have less control over matter, be more subject to nature's whims. And that, of course, is the case, that the more superstitious the society, the less control they have over nature. The less productive, the less valuable is their relationship to matter. Property rights are important, therefore, where free trade diminishes through mercantilism, through colonialism, through socialism, through communism, property rights are an essential value and virtue, respect for property rights, and therefore, whenever societies wreck property rights, they should become less productive thereby. And this is all very proven. Love is our involuntary response to virtue. If we're virtuous, therefore, 
societies where evil grows should result in less love, as we can see in the modern world. Love is diminishing, love is collapsing, love is fading. Violence is displacing it. The only choices we really have, the reason that leads to love, or the mysticism that leads to violence. Just tell me why murder is wrong. Just tell me why theft is wrong. If you can throw an assault and rape in there, so much the better. Just tell me why these things are wrong. That's the whole gig. And you get a whole bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing but betrayal of the discipline. And through betrayal of the discipline, betrayal of humanity as a whole. I'm not saying they're Satan. I'm just saying that it would be tough to differentiate them from that nihilistic and false belief system. So that's where I stand with this project. I aim to continue. I've got most of what I needed and clarified my growing disgust at the project. If you want me to continue... Let me know, please. I will continue if you want me to. But it doesn't get prettier from here. <laughs>